This is the Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR with Sean Belegian and former Detroit Lions historian Bill Keenest. Presented by Hungry Howie's for all things football this weekend. Here's Sean and Bill. Well, it is indeed a pleasure to be with you tonight here on 760 WJR, along with a guy I've known for a long time. Consider him a friend. He's done so much for the Detroit Lions. Still doing work in the National Football League as well. Let's welcome him in. Ladies and gentlemen, 36 seasons with the Detroit Lions in his 40th year working in the National Football League. It's amazing because as we were talking about, he started when he was a mere 10 years That's, old. <laughs> thank you for making that uh, known, Sean. <laughs> How are you, buddy? It's nice Great. to chat with you. Likewise, it's wonderful. And uh, as you said, we've known each other for a long time. And I think uh, we learned earlier on that we shared this common you know, love of the game of football and the, and the passion that goes along with it. So to be able to talk about it and share our memories and thoughts is just wonderful. There's uh, there's nothing like it. it it's funny, <clears throat> Bill. Let's start right there for just a moment. You and I had a conversation uh, before we went on the air uh, about football and, yeah. and what it means to people. And I know we'll get more in depth as this show goes on and as the weeks go on as well. But um, there's something about this sport that just evokes passion at, at every level. It just Absolutely. evokes passion. You don't know how. You don't know why. It's just one of those things, Bill. It It just is. It really is. I think football more than any other team sport certainly mirrors life. I mean, it takes teamwork. You're going to get knocked down. You got to get back up. Uh, there's nothing like it. And uh, you you think about any game at any level, you can have the greatest player in that sport, but yet if, if the if the team doesn't work together, it's not going to be successful. And I believe having having two sons that played high school and small college football, um, one still in the game as a coach, that especially at the high school level, that the gridiron is the greatest classroom these kids will ever experience if they have the right coaching and the right environment that goes along with it. Because at that age, um, the pressures, the unique realities of what those kids are going through is unlike anything else. And from that are life lessons that are that are learned and uh, they stay with these kids for the rest of their life. You know, it's interesting, Bill, because in, in my lifetime, I, I think when I was younger, and this is just one person's perception, okay? Mm-hmm. When I was younger, baseball was king in this country. Yeah. I, I would say the late 70s, baseball mm-hmm. was king in this country. At least that was yeah. my perception. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was an event. A lot of people look back to uh, the catch uh, in in the 1982 Mm -hmm. NFC Championship game, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark. And a lot of people look at that as as kind of a seminal moment where football took the next step. But undoubtedly in, in my lifetime, I watched the NFL kind of take over in the 1980s. And quite frankly, it, it stayed on top for nearly 40 years now. Yeah, it really has. And I think that the, the, I grew up, I grew up a baseball fan first in in Pittsburgh with the Pirates Um, and baseball was huge at that time. But I just think the the reality of football in the communities like Pittsburgh, like Detroit, you know, where it, it reflected the personality of that community, the hard work to get knocked down, get back up at every level. And um, I mean, Western Pennsylvania was so revered for high school football 
And I remember when I was in third grade, my dad taking me to all the games that are of our local high school. And believe it or not, back then, you could not lose a game and make the playoffs. And, and our team had a tie, had a tie. Our high school had a tie. Um, and this was the 1966 season and did not make the playoffs. Had a great team. So just to, to understand what it took to take that next step, to take next, next level, I think uh, put a lot of us in awe. And then um, I, I remember again when I was a child, our high school played on Saturday afternoons. We were the only school in our conference that didn't have lights. And I had a routine. I would I would sneak around and go up to the locker room entrance before the team made its way down the cement sidewalk onto the field. And I'm getting chills telling you this, but the greatest sound in the world to me was those cleats on that cement and the clickety clock. I love that sound. And then I would sneak back up before halftime and watch them come up and they were bigger than life. They were high school players. But it was something majestic about it and the experience and that sound that I still get chills when I hear it at a local high school game, the sound of those cleats on the on the cement. You know, it's interesting, uh, in case you're just joining us, this is a brand new show to, to 760 WJR. It's a pleasure to be here with my buddy Bill Keenis, and it's going to be all things football. It's gridiron rap. We're going to talk about what's going on in the National Football League, what's going on in the college ranks. And when I say the college ranks, not just D1, but D2, D3, and yes, what's going on in the high school ranks. I know, Bill, you have a vested interest there. We'll get into yeah. that in a segment or two. But uh, for what it's worth, uh, for people out there, that aren't familiar with Bill. And I look, if you call yourself a football fan, I don't know how you can't be familiar with Bill. But, uh, Bill, you worked for the Lions for, for 36 years. Uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, it's, it's funny, Bill, and I hope you take this the way that I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine a coach walking out the field without you being behind <laughs> me. Like, like, honestly, right. I mean, even before I was in the business, I would go, who's that guy that's always behind Wayne? Who's that yeah. guy? And then I got a chance to know that guy, but you're right. still busy with the national football league. You're, right. you're kind of wearing a new cap. Tell everybody what you're doing. Right. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be involved still and to maintain the relationships that, that you make over such a long period of time, but I'm working for the league for the broadcasting department. And there is a NFL game rep that, that works every game. Um, we're doing, I'm doing it virtually. Um, right now but there's a chance i'll be uh, making trips to the actual stadiums but what we are we serve as a liaison between the broadcasting department and the and the broadcasting crew for that game we work with the associate director on breaks and timeouts with the green hat on the field who signals the referee when we want to go to a break it just makes sure that the flow of the game is what it needs to be and as we know in radio as well we got to make sure we get those breaks in to, to pay the bills. So, um, but it's wonderful. And it, 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 it's a different perspective, obviously, um, because when you're watching the game, you have to keep track of, of, okay, how many breaks do we have left to get in? And uh, sometimes uh, you're rooting for different things just for a, a flow that would allow you to do so. But uh, it, it truly is a blessing to, to still be involved. And like I said, keep in touch with a lot of friends and colleagues I've made over the years. Your first game today, as a matter of fact, you saw an old friend do some yeah. things that we saw him do a few times 
in this yeah. area. You were doing the Rams and Colts, correct? I was, and uh, it was it was hard in a way to be truthful because you know you have to do your job, which is is what my first priority was. But it was wonderful to be able to see Matthew and uh, and ultimately, uh, you know, they pulled it out. Indy's a tough team, especially on the road. And um, and they pulled it out of the end and he had another wonderful day. Um, you know, I think everybody I, I'm, I'm anxious to see what the ratings were last week for his uh, his first game ratings in Detroit. Because I'm sure that uh, most of our fans here in Michigan had a vested interest in that game. I think the world of him. I'll I'll defend him till till the very end. I think he's a tremendous quarterback and even better young man. Um, so I'm very happy for his success. Obviously, he's Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian, and Bill's already radio savvy because he knows. We have to take breaks to pay those bills and, uh, you know, certainly want to give a shout out to, I know Hungry Howie's is a part of this. And if you haven't tried a Cajun crust yet, by gosh, you better go get one. I'm telling you, it's a tremendous pie. We appreciate them being a part of it. We appreciate you being a part of what we do. We're going to be here all fall long. It's the gridiron wrap. And as I mentioned, not only talking about what's going on in the league and what's going on in Detroit, we'll get into the Monday night matchup in, in just a few, minute, few minutes uh, with Bill Keenis. But uh, talking all things football right here on Sunday night. So glad you could join us wherever you may be on 760 WJR. It's another great football weekend, and whatever you missed, we've got you covered. The Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR, presented by Hungry Howie's. Here's Sean Belegian and Bill Keenest. Well, so glad you could join us. We got a dandy coming up tonight, of course, uh, Sunday Night Football, NBC. You got the Chiefs and the Ravens. Of course, everybody around here looking forward to tomorrow night, Monday Night Football. Lions travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers at Lambeau Field. Uh, I'm Sean Belegian, of course, joined by uh, Bill Keenis. Bill, the more things change in the game of football in the National yeah. Football League, the more they stay the same. Tom Brady, Ho-Hum, 24 of 36, 276 yards and five touchdowns. It is yeah. absolutely remarkable. It really is. I uh, I saw Tom. He was at the, the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies in August in Canton. I was there, obviously, for Calvin Johnson. And he he does not look his age. I mean, he looked remarkable. And there's there's some magic there somewhere. And obviously, his uh, his training regimen um, is well known, and uh, no one's going to argue with it because he's doing things that we've never seen. We really have never seen. I remember back in the what seventies, maybe um, George Blanda uh, for the Oakland Raiders, but he didn't start you know, the whole season, he was a 40 year old quarterback and it was, it was a national story when he played and threw a touchdown pass, uh, relieving Daryl LaMonica, I think it was, but Tom Brady, it's what we've come to expect with him. He's just, just amazing. And we should, as football fans, we should really cherish what we're seeing. Couldn't agree more. You know, I wanted to get back to something you talked about, and and this gives me a chance to to bring up an all-time classic movie. Maybe the mm -hmm. younger generation didn't get a chance to see this. Check out All the Right Moves. That, yeah. That's a good movie yeah. that kind of explains uh, the football right. that, that Bill Keenis was talking about in Western Pennsylvania yeah. and, and how, how big it is. But, Bill, you've been here in the Detroit area for a long time. Um, in, in my lifetime, I watched high school football kind of become – one of those things that was maybe just a regional thing, just a city mm -hmm. thing, so to speak, to 
it's really starting to become a big thing in this area. It has been on the west side of the state for a while, yeah. but it really seems to me like high school football, the coverage and the fervor has really grown in the past couple of decades. I I agree, and I've seen it. I've lived it. Um, there truly is nothing like Friday Night Lights. And you go to some of these communities, um, like the one that, that we grew up in, Oxford, Lake Orion, Clarkston, and now West Bloomfield, um, you know, the defending state champs, they've got it rolling. Um, and where my, my son's a coach, Troy Athens. I mean, Troy's becoming a football town. Both schools are undefeated <laughs> so far this season. So um, I think it's wonderful. And, and it's interesting, Sean, you know, the importance of high school football. I'm obviously biased, but I was on the school board years ago in Oxford. I did a little research, national research on the importance of athletics in the in the high school curriculum if you will and you know there's always been some debate about the pay-to-play realities that have hit so many communities and so many high schools but there was there was national research that i don't want to say i was surprised but i was i was thrilled to uncover it or to, or to find it where there were there have been studies done about community school districts that are the friday night lights type of you know, realities, okay, where the, the school the school year begins and there's a, a rallying around the, the team in the school, in the community. And the the incident of behavioral issues in those high schools is far less mm. than those communities that uh, that don't have that. It just gives it gives the student body, you know, the faculty, the community, something to rally around. And it's a unifier. I think it truly is a unifier. And when you see some of these uh, stadiums on Friday night when, you know, thousands of people um, and, it, and even hundreds of people, it, it's it's beautiful. It really is a wonderful thing. Did we mention Troy Athens is unbeaten? Did we? Did we? I, I think that? I might have. Okay, I, I wanted to make sure I got that out there <laughs> yeah, for we'll you. Get that in there. Uh, yeah. Coach Keenis doing a fantastic yeah. job with them, no doubt about it. I want to echo your sentiments because you know it, it's interesting. I I live in Northville now, and yeah. going out on Friday night. I mean, really, it is it is the community night out. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it it's almost as cheesy as it sounds. It's almost a place to see and be seen, you know, and, yes. and the central part of it yeah. while you're commiserating, while you're having your conversations, but the yeah. central part of it is, is what is happening on the field. And the same thing goes for my alma mater. I always go back to Livonia Stevenson once yeah. or twice a year and go take in a game. And I, Bill, it, you said it so well, it, it sends chills down your spine. It yeah. really does. It's something I didn't appreciate growing up because you get caught in the perhaps sure. the minutiae of covering the college game or covering right. the NFL or whatever. But I'll tell you what, it's it's trite, it's cliche, it's pure on a Friday night. It's just right on a Friday night. It really is, Sean. And I and I'll I'll share one uh, you know recent memory. Um Oxford uh, were at the time Bud Raleigh, the legendary head coach, uh was leading the program and both of my sons Billy and Chris were were coaching, and it was the first game on the new turf at Oxford High School, the blue turf. Yeah. And it was the first game of the season, and they're open against Lake Orion, you know, the crosstown, I mean, three miles away, uh, you know, rival right next door. Lake Orion was, they were the defending state champions that year. And um, Oxford had a incredible game and really beat him, you know, pretty handedly. Um, and everybody remembers the game that Oxford won. But what I'll remember more than anything 
is after that game, and Sean, there were easily 11, 12,000 fans there. Oh. I mean, it was, and this is a high school game. And after the game, everybody, it seemed, at least all the Oxford fans, everybody descended down upon the field. They wanted to see the blue turf, I guess, but no one would leave. And and I'm getting chills literally sharing this story because it was generational. It was grandparents. It was parents. It was students. It was grandchildren. Everybody. And it was like the whole community, you know, had this wonderful memory, this wonderful experience. And nobody wanted to leave. And there were people there an hour after the game. The light stayed on. It was just beautiful. And uh and I guarantee you that, you know, 90% of the people in Oxford will probably tell you they were at the game, but that so many that were there will have that memory. It's it's just wonderful. It's such a, a beautiful part of, of the Detroit fabric now. I mean, the entire area, whether it be the PSL, yeah. uh, whether it be up in Oxford, whether it be out my way, Catholic Central, Northville, Livonia, yep. Stevenson. I mean, it really has ingratiated itself in, into the media spectrum and, and become a thing. And as this show progresses, this, of course, is our inaugural show. But uh, both Bill and I have talked about this. Hey, we want to you know, reach out and find out what's going on with Catholic Central, what's going yeah. on with Troy Athens, what's going on with River Rouge, and, and share some of those stories because every community, you know, that's that's the thing. The difference now, Bill, is, is you said back in 66, you had a tie and maybe you don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Now yeah. it's you find a way to get in and, hey, anything can happen that's once right. you get in, and that's what makes this time of year so exciting. It really is. And, and you know, some of the memories over the years – of uh of teams just making it into the playoffs or or just falling short and the emotion that goes along with that is is incredible for these kids i say kids affectionately and respectfully to experience at that age in life and it serves them well because it is life you get knocked down sometimes you make it sometimes you don't um and that's why i think and especially uh, I don't think there's a, a greater sports community in the world than Detroit. There's nothing like it here. And sports are so important for the psyche, for the, the unity of our community. And, uh, and it's at every level. It's at every level. It uh, starts as young as, as uh, they can, you know, catch a ball or throw a ball and all the way up. So, yeah, it, it's, it's like I've said it a couple of times, it's magical. You had such a great point as we were talking during the course of the week that I, sometimes I think people don't have uh, the opportunity to kind of think about. Think of all the football around here, not just the high school, but yeah. the D2s. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, Lawrence Tech just started a team yeah. and, and Madonna University mm -hmm. just started a team. And, uh, of course, something I'm familiar with, Wayne State and going up to Northwater, going to yeah. Saginaw and, you know, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, Mac schools, Big Ten schools. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd be hard pressed to find an area that has so many different options for people as right. the greater Detroit area. I thought that was a great point on your part, Bill. Well, I, I don't know that there's a state. <laughs> Um, that has more collegiate football programs than Michigan. Um, some states, uh, Wisconsin, for instance, um, they have obviously the university, but uh, and D3 schools. They didn't even have D2 schools a few years back. Um, I think Michigan, Ohio, um, for sure. But this this is where football began in the Midwest. And um, and when you look at what we have, D1, D2, D3, I don't know that there's a state in the country that can stack up with us.
It's incredible when you think, oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, we get caught up in day-to-day living and you, you think back and, right. boy, he's got a great point there. There, there yeah. are tons of options out there, no doubt about it. When we yeah. come back, we are going to talk some NFL, including yep. uh, one of the most venerable places ever. I, I want to get your thoughts, Bill, on, on what makes Lambo well, yeah. Lambo. You know, there's certain, you know, there are places, everybody's kind of got their bucket list of places to go to. When we Mm -hmm. come back, I'll tell you the two places that I want to go to and not Mm -hmm. as a member of a media, but get the opportunity to take my son, my daughter, if she wants to go sometime and uh, check out a game. Lambo's definitely one of them. We'll get Bill's perspective on that. He is Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you could join us a Sunday night. It is the inaugural show. We call it Gridiron Wrap right here on 760 WJR. Now, on with a gridiron wrap on 760 WJR. Here's Sean Belegian and Bill Keenest. Well, a couple games of note to mention before we get into the next topic du jour here on the gridiron wrap. The Vikings start out 0-2. Yeah. They miss a 37-yard field goal on the last play of the mm-hmm. game and fall to the Cardinals 34-33. And Bill, in honor of our producer, Jason Fissler, the resident Cowboy fan, Greg Zerline hits a 56-yard field goal. So there you go, Jason. A little love for your Cowboys. The Cowboys end up winning their game against the Chargers. So there we go. I think we got it covered. Uh, Bill Lambeau Field is just one of those places you you Mm -hmm. can't explain it. You know, here comes that term again. It is smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood. Uh, You know, bratwurst, what have you. What does Lambeau mean to you? Well, I uh, I remember my first memory of Lambeau was the ice bowl, watching it on TV. Um, it was over Christmas break. I was in grade school, and I, I was actually a Cowboy fan uh, at that time. I liked the Cowboys. Uh, the Steelers hadn't really taken that step yet. But um, but I remember just the heartbreak of that game and uh, just the – the images of the frozen breath and the, you know, the stands and everything. So um, fast forward to 1985, uh, my first year with the Lions, and we have a game there in, uh, I think it was late September. Um, and Daryl Rogers was our head coach. And Daryl had a, a, a policy, if you will, that, um, and maybe it was, it was uh, what he did as a college coach up to that point. But, we would go to the stadium on Saturday, no matter on the road, we would uh, land and go right to the stadium just so the players. Um, and I certainly would understand this about Lambo. So game day wasn't the first time they saw the stadium. Um, he felt that was a positive thing for them to experience. And we get to that stadium and I I'm telling you, Sean, I like levitated down to the goal line where Bar star snuck that in to win that game. And I, I was just like a little kid, just sort of, you know, with my shoes scratching the turf and uh, where I think it was Jethro Few got blocked. And, uh, but it was magical. And then, and then the other thing I remember about that trip, about that, that visit, that game, um, we stayed in a hotel downtown Green Bay. Most of the time since then, we would stay in Appleton, Wisconsin. And I think most teams would stay in Appleton, Wisconsin. But we stayed at a hotel in downtown Green Bay. And after uh, we were done uh, with the TV production meetings that afternoon, I decided to take a walk through the community, through Green Bay. And Sean, I, I want to say it was like a high school feel. It That may be a little um, uh, 
inaccurate. It may have been even more than that because every storefront, every little, you know, business, they would have homemade signs in the windows, go Packers, oh. go whoever, Lynn Dickey or whoever the quarterback was. And they were all like made on construction paper. That's and then awesome. they, they had pictures of the players <laughs> in the windows. And it was, it, 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 really and truly was what you would see in a community, you know, like the ones we all live in celebrating their local high school team. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Um, So it is different. It is magical. And, and you mentioned the, uh, the fact that's right dab in the, in, in the neighborhood. I mean, everybody has signs in their yards parking, you know, back then it was probably 10 bucks. Now it's probably 50 bucks. Yeah. But, all the parking in, in the yards and the lawns for everybody, people out on their lawn chairs, you know, just kicking back sort of their own tailgate version. Um, the other, I mean, there's so many memories, but two years later, two years after that first trip was 87 and it was the strike year. Yeah. Um, and we had the replacement games. We ended up playing three replacement games. We played two with the silver dome. We had one row game and it was in Green Bay and um, predictably, understandably, the, the games at the Silver Dome, we had we, we, we played uh, Seattle and I think we had 4000 people in attendance. Mm-hmm. We played Tampa and we had maybe 8000 people in attendance. So the, the middle game of the three was at Green Bay and we go to Lambeau and back then uh, they hadn't expanded it yet. So the capacity was just in the 50,000 range, maybe, uh, maybe mid fifties and they're all bleacher seats. And I recall that the announced attendance that day was 37,000 fans, which is remarkable, but you know, on bleachers, you spread out a little bit. It looked absolutely full. And for our players, all those young men that, you know, never played again, other than those strike games, to have the experience of playing in Lambeau in front of a, what looked like a packed house. And we actually won that game in overtime. We had a kicker, Mike Prindle, I believe was his name. And I think he had three or four field goals in that game. And he kicked one in overtime. And we won the game. And to see the eruption of our, our bench and our sideline and the kids, they, they, they thought they won the Super Bowl. It was phenomenal. Um, but it was just the magic of that environment. And the, and the other thing I'll tell you why it's so unique. I have, I have contended for years that if you had a football fan from anywhere in the country and you blindfolded them and said, we're going on a trip and it's a Sunday and you're going to end up somewhere in the NFL and you dropped them in the parking lot at Green Bay, you would know you were there because you mentioned it, the bratwurst, the smell. It (laughs) smells different than any other place. It sounds different than any other place. It's just a unique experience that I I, I think every football fan should realize at one point or the other. And um, and it was a hard place for for us, for the Lions for years, but uh, we uh, we broke that uh, that losing streak in 2015 and won a few since then. So hopefully that'll that'll continue on Monday night. You know, the other place, just just on a personal level, yeah. Bill, uh, their, their Super Bowl one uh, opponent, as a matter of fact, right. Kansas City. I've heard yeah. nothing but great things about Kansas yeah. City. Like it's it's just a big college barbecue is, is the way everybody yeah. explained it to me. And I'm in, you know, that, that, yeah. that sounds like a good time to me. It's funny because you and I have talked about this off the air. I'm sorry to get off track, but I, yeah. you, this just popped in my head. 
the day that I'm no longer a fan, I take my job yeah. seriously and you have to report, but the day I'm no longer a fan, it's time for me to do something else. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of it. I, I can't wait for those opportunities where I say to my son, Hey, let's road trip to green Bay. Let's yeah. road trip to Kansas city, whatever the case may be. That's no where we got in this business. A, a love yeah. for this great game. No question. That is so true. And, uh, that's the that's the beauty of being able to share our memories. And they're like I said, you know, they're generational. You think of the first team um, that you became a fan of, the first player. You know, our our approach when I was with the Lions, especially when we had the training camp at Saginaw Valley, was let's be the first team to touch a child, even in our own community, because we're competing. We're competing, you know, for for fans everywhere and all the time. And uh, you know, you remember that. I remember the first team that touched me was the Pirates in a game at Forbes Field. And to this day, I get chills thinking about it. And I'm sure everyone that's listening and everybody, as you said, that is a fan, they have those memories. And uh, and you cherish those. And, uh, you know, hopefully they last a lifetime and, and you don't have to, uh, you know, face that that moment when you're not a fan because that would be sad. I'll tell you what, uh, Bill, along those lines, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I know you're familiar with him, and I'm still going to say this until my dying breath, he does not get the credit that he deserves around here. Mm-hmm. Billy Sims. Uh, oh, my Billy gosh. Sims was uh, – it was yeah. – he is exactly what this franchise needed yeah. at the right time. Yeah. He was the first star in my lifetime. Right. And I kid you not, Bill, we, we've mm-hmm. had Billy – um, you know, come on the show with us. Uh, you know, when when we had the Lions games and everything, there's still that little part of me when I see Billy Sims, when I hear Billy Sims' name, yeah. I'm nine years old again. And I, right. I told him that. You know, we had a right. nice conversation, and then I told him, I said, "Hey, Billy, I, no yeah. disrespect, I, I don't want to fanboy you, but nine year old me is just so happy yeah. right now because really, Bill, he was the first Lions true superstar. There right. were." Darn good players. No, mm-hmm. Doug English, uh, Bill Gay. There were so many darn yeah. good players. Billy put fannies in the seats, and 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 you know, there's still that always that part of you that you always remember that from the time you were a kid. No question. I I've had the good fortune to get to know Billy very well over the years. Um, unfortunately, his last year was the year before I joined the Lions. Mm-hmm. He got hurt in uh, 1984 a game at minnesota on that old tartan turf that was probably harder than the desks that we're sitting at um and but but what i recall i joined the lions and everybody thought billy was going to come back everybody thought billy was coming back and that spring that off season he was working hard and trying to rehab now an acl back then is night and day from an acl today as we all know Um, But nonetheless, what I vividly remember is Billy's going to he's going to make it back. We don't know if it's going to be the 85 season or the 86 season, but he's coming back. So interestingly, in that offseason, Dexter Bussey retired. So we're getting ready to have a press conference announcing Dexter Bussey is retiring. Dexter was only one yard short of Billy's all time rushing record. So, again, with the belief that Billy's coming back and getting to know Dexter and what a quality guy he is. Um, I suggested, I said, let me research all of Dexter's games to see if I can find one or two more yards. Wouldn't it be wonderful for a classy guy that gave it his all like Dexter Bucky Bussy to retire as the Lions all time leading rusher. 
Okay, not taking anything away from Billy because Billy's gonna gonna get it when he comes back. Well, and this was before computer stats and and all the checks and balances that exist today. We must have had a phenomenal stats crew at the Silverdome because I went through every single game of Dexter's, and we were right on the number. He wow. was one yard short of Billy Sims, so we couldn't you know add that to his retirement celebration. And then ironically. Billy never came back. Wow. But, but you know what, Sean? I, I worked my first three years in the NFL for Washington. The respect that that team, that Washington had for Billy Sims yeah. was at the highest level. Billy Sims is a Hall of Fame talent. Amen. And there's no question. He was having he was having his best season when he got hurt. I mean, it, it's a tragedy that we didn't get to see another four or five years because Billy, he'd be wearing that gold jacket as well. No doubt about it. Well said. He's Bill Keenis. I'm Sean Belegia. We'll look ahead to that game tomorrow night against Green Bay Packers. Direction of the Lions as well. This is our inaugural show, the Gridiron Wrap, right here on 760 WJR. It's another great football weekend, and whatever you missed, we've got you covered. The Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR, presented by Hungry Howie's. Here's Sean Belegian and Bill Keenest. Well, just one 4 o'clock game still going on right now. The Titans and the Seahawks are in overtime tied at 30 apiece. Uh, Derrick Henry just had a four-yard run. They are sitting at the Seattle 23 with about 642 to go in overtime a field goal will win the game great game coming up tonight ravens chiefs uh that should be fantastic and of course monday night football tomorrow night lions at the packers bill i was telling you uh i i like the direction that brad holmes and dan campbell are taking this team they're not blowing any smoke. They're, they're right. you know, trying to change the culture. Mm-hmm. They're basically, without saying it, they're saying, hey, listen, we got some work to do. We need to take advantage of these draft picks that we got in the Matthew Stafford trade. Let's see what happens in a couple of years. And, and Bill, to me, it's refreshing. What, what are you seeing out of the direction that this franchise has taken? I've, I've always believed, Sean, that, and, and I've shared this with some of our coaches, in fact, over the years, it's not about winning a game. It's about winning the game. And, you know, we, we've seen it not with just the Lions, but with many teams, you know, you, you get, you know, in that, you know, that 500 mode where you're, you know, you're winning a few here, you're losing a few there, but the foundation is not solid. You build a solid foundation. And um, I think, I think the offensive line is where it starts. I think you look at, um, all the successful teams, very few have done that, uh, have won without a, a successful off, offensive line. So if you can build the foundation and understand that, again, it's not about winning a game. It's about winning the game, about getting to a point where you're competitive year after year and you establish a culture and a mindset and a belief. And it, it doesn't have to take too long. Um, as you can see with some of the turnarounds that have occurred, but, um, you know, so far so good. I, I believe, uh, with, with the new regime at the lions. I think that's a great point, Bill, because you know, a lot of times people go, Oh, another rebuild. There are people out there that thought it was going to take years for the Cardinals to come back. Right. That's a pretty darn good football. Wow. Team. I'll tell you that, that, uh, that quarterback is Ooh. remarkable. There were so many plays because I was watching a little of that game. 
um, where the, the Vikings defense had him exactly the way they drew it up, but he's, he's not normal. He is freakishly athletic and uh, you know, he just bought enough time to make a play. So yeah, it can turn around and uh, look at Cleveland, you know, look what they've done. They're two and oh now. And uh, that's another football community like Detroit that deserves a winner. And uh, yeah, they, they, they put together a couple of nice, nice weeks. I mean, they're not two and oh, they had lost the uh, Kansas city game, but they won today. You know, it seems like every couple of years we have this conversation and I'm not falling for it. No way, no how (laughs) Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are slipping. They're susceptible. Bill, he's one of those guys. I've seen it for so long. As long as that guy's in the National Football League and there is air in his lungs, I am going to worry about Aaron Rodgers. And tomorrow night is no different than every other year I've watched Aaron Rodgers play. No, I, I think you're you're wise, and I'm sure our coaches have conveyed that message. I remember a game uh, when we were still playing at the Silverdome against the 49ers, and they had just gotten beat by Philadelphia by like 40 points in San Francisco nonetheless. The Eagles went out there and just destroyed them. And Steve Young, the image of Steve Young getting beaten, battered, was remarkable. Um, they came in, and uh, it wasn't the same game as they had played the the week before so on any given sunday is so true um it's it's absolutely true these guys are the best of their profession and um and and i mean pittsburgh had a huge win last week at buffalo they come home today and the raiders make that you know cross-country trip and they win in pittsburgh so you just you just don't know but uh there's I'm, there's no doubt there's ultimate respect for for aaron Rodgers. You you had a great point about that uh, that you know yeah. in, in the past, Bill. That was that was almost the kiss of death. I mean, okay, yeah. if you're traveling from the west, forget it. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. No, and I think you really saw that the opening weekend, Sean, um, because I'm sure there were some fans that thought, oh, we're getting San Francisco, you know, for the Lions' home opener. We got a break. Well, I I didn't look at it that way because you get the breaks more often than not when you're playing a West coast team, when it's in the middle of the season, when they had a game the Sunday or Monday at times before, then they got to travel West. Well, there were a lot of West coast teams last week that, that won playing in the, in the Eastern time zone. I think, I don't know if any of them lost. I mean, the chargers, the Broncos, there were a number of them because they had that extra time. So psychologically they had a win because it wasn't, we got to travel to Detroit or New York or wherever in the middle of the season. We get this two-week break at the end of the preseason, so we're going to be fresh. And most West Coast teams come in a day early anyways. So that's how I looked at that. I, I didn't think that was the break that that it would have been, could have been, if it was in the middle of the season. Bill, we got about one minute left. I want to ask yeah. your perspective as a guy that uh, 40th season in the National Football yeah. League. How big of a factor is the short week? I mean, by the time we talk again next week, the Lions will have had two games, right. not only the, right. the, the game tomorrow night, but against the Ravens as well. How big of a factor is the short week? Every team has to deal with those at least once a season. And I think it's I, – I really believe it's how the head coach approaches it. Um, if he makes it a, a factor, it'll be a factor. Um, if he approaches it the way we're going to play where and when it says on the schedule and it doesn't matter. And you see more and more road teams winning than you ever have. Um, you know, that's happened a lot. And I think it's really the mentality that a coach 
um, brings to his team, no matter what the schedule is, no matter what the location, because every coach I've ever worked with will tell you the mental is far greater than the physical. So you just got to believe. Great stuff. Bill, the old adage is time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) This flew. It is a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. I look forward to doing this each and every Sunday night from 7 to 8 here on 760 WJR. I want to give a shout-out to our buddy Jason Fissler, who will be smiling all night because his Cowboys won. Thank you for everything you do, Jason. Bill, look forward to talking to you again next week, my friend. Likewise, Sean. Thanks, Jason. For Bill Keenis and Jason Kissler, my name is Sean Belegian. Thanks so much for joining us here. It is Gridiron Wrap every Sunday night, 7 o'clock, right here on 760 WJR. Until next week, have yourselves a fantastic week.